Welcome to Pirkei Avot. We're going to begin the third chapter of Pirkei Avot today. And it's a pleasure to welcome you back to all my regular watchers, listeners, viewers, whatever the word is. Uh, you could be listening to this on SoundCloud and uh, you could be watching this on YouTube. You could be watching it live on Zoom. First of all, let me thank our sponsor today. It's uh, sponsored the shit today, sponsored by George and Susie Fishman in memory of George's sister, Eva Singer, Bluma Baschaim Yehuda, Aleha Shalom. Her yard site is on the 28th of Adar and uh, he should be zeichet to Arichas Yomim, and we should all be zeichet to see Tchias Hamesim. So we have the third chapter of Pirkei Avot. It begins with a Kavya ben Mahalalel. Kavya ben Mahal. Do you know who the Kavya ben Mahalalel was? You, do you actually know anything about him? So actually, you're going to see he appears completely in the wrong place. He was an associate, uh, probably somebody who was a contemporary of. Shmayan of Talion, certainly of Hillel, and therefore his appearance at the beginning of the third chapter of Pirkei Avot, he's in the wrong place. He should have come earlier in the first chapter or the second chapter, but in any event, here he is at the beginning. We're going to be talking about that later. But who was he? He was a very tough person. He wasn't an easy person. He was a very principled person, and in fact, on one occasion, the majority of those who were in the Sanhedrin demanded that he accept their minority view. And it's a kind of parallel story to the one we have much later on about the Amoraim, but um, about uh, later Tanoim, sorry, where uh, the, the famous oven story where we have a disagreement between the Tanoim about whether or not a, an oven can be reconstituted or can't be reconstituted, we have a discussion as to whether Akavya ben Rahalala was willing to forego his minority opinion and to accept the opinion of the majority. And they tried to coerce him by saying to him, Rabbi Kavya, please accept our view. And if you do, you are such a distinguished scholar that you will be the Av Beisdin. You will be the president of the Beisdin, of the courts, of the Jewish court system. And you will receive the great honor of heading all of your rabbinical colleagues as the Av Beisdin of the Sanhedrin. And he said he refused. And he said, I would rather be called an idiot, a fool, my entire life than to be a sinner for even one moment. That's how deeply principled he was. He was willing to forego his position or potential position as the Av Beisdin, rather than change his view, his deeply and profoundly held view on whatever the topic was, and that's not recorded. When he was on his deathbed, his son, Akavya ben Mahalalel's son, asked him whether or not he would be willing to recommend him, the son, as somebody who should have a position in the rabbinical fraternity, whatever it was, uh, at the time. And... Akavya turned to his son, Rabbi Akavya ben Halalel, turned to his son. He said, no, I'm not going to recommend you. I refuse to recommend you. So his son was a bit taken aback and he said, father, is it because you're not, you don't think I'm worthy of being in that position? To which his father said, I've got no idea whether you are or are not worthy. If you're worthy, they'll choose you. If you're not worthy, they won't choose you. But I'm not intervening because if they choose you because I have intervened, 
That's the reason they'll have chosen you, not because you're worthy. If you're worthy, you'll get the position. Whether or not I intervene, whether or not my intervention takes place. And that was how he left off with his son and then he passed away. A person of deep principles. He opens the third Perek, the third chapter of Pirkei Avot, and here we have his Mishnah. Akavya ben Mahalalel Oimer. This is what he said. Histakel bishloisha devarim vi'i'ata va lidei avera. If you stay focused on these three things, you will never come into the hands of an Avera. What does that mean? You'll never come to sin. You'll never be in the grasp of the sinning situation, of any type of sinning scenario. Da, the first one is, Da me ayin bossa. Remember, where do you come from? Ul'an atahoylech. Remember, where are you going? What's your end going to be? And finally, V'lefnei mi In front of whom will you be... Uh, compelled to give a din v'cheshbain to uh, explain yourself as to how it is you have conducted your life. Continues the Mishnah explaining this pronouncement of Hakavya ben Mahalalel. Me'ayin basa, where do you come from? Mitipa serucha, from a putrid drop. Do you, remember, do you know where you come from? Uh, without getting too graphic. Where you come from is not the most honoured of situations. You come from a smelly drop. That's where you emerge from. Your life, your body, everything about you has come from a quite a low place. Let's be frank. That's what you need to remember in order not to come lide avera. Ula'an atahoyleich. Where are you going? Oh, that's an important thing to remember as well. You need to remember. Limakoim ofarim avasaleah. Do you know where you're going to end up? You're going to end up in a place of dust, of worms and of maggots. You're going to be buried in the ground and your body is going to be eaten and consumed and destroyed and disintegrate. That's where you're going to end up. Remember that and you won't come lide avera. And finally, before whom will you have to give the ultimate reckoning? As to who you are and what you've done, in front of God Almighty, the God of all of of uh, the King of Kings, the ultimate source of authority in the world, the Creator who enabled our existence, you will have to stand in front of the greatest of the great. Forget any type of authority you've ever faced in your lifetime. Ultimately, beyond your life, you're going to have to stand in front of God Almighty. And you're going to have to defend every one of your acts throughout your life. And that, hopefully, will prevent you from committing any sin. This is the pronouncement of Akavya ben Halalel. And let me now read you the Derech Chaim of the Maharal of Prague. I have a particular fondness for the Maharal of Prague because, of course, my family are all descended from the Maharal of Prague. And Rabbit uh, Salil... Lev of Prague, one of the great Kabbalists of the uh, 16th, early 17th century. He was the Rav of Prague, uh, mistakenly associated with the Golem. There was no such thing. But he was one of the most, uh, the sources of the most profound Kabbalistic mystical thoughts and ideas of Hashkofa, the way we need to conduct ourselves in our lives. And he wrote a parish 
on the Pirkei Avot that's called Derech Chaim, the way of life. And he uh, has a long and detailed commentary on this Mishnah. I've excerpted it for us today. I'm going to read you part of it and I'm going to include it as a source sheet for this particular share of Pirkei Avot, which you'll be able to access if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to it on SoundCloud. Yesh Lishoel, he says, we should be able, we should ask, we need to ask, we are compelled to ask on this Mishnah. Why did Akavya Bemahalalel need to say all three of these things? Because ultimately it's the third thing that matters the most. The fact that we need to give a reckoning before God about everything that we've ever done in our lives. That in and of itself would prevent us from ever sinning. So therefore why do we need the first two things? Why do we need to know from where we have come and where we are going in order to prevent us from doing Averis. But Oid Kosher, and he says, and there's another question. If you think to yourself, I come from a tiposrucha putrid drop, is that going to be enough to prevent me from ever doing an Avera? That's not a good enough reason not to do an Avera. Where do you come from? I come from a terrible place. Who cares where I come from? Where I am now? That's what counts. Now I'm going to do an Avera. What difference does it make where I come from? And similarly, where are you going? I'm going to end up in the grave. Who cares? Do I think about the grave right now? Who wakes up in the morning and thinks to themselves, oh, I'm going to the grave and therefore I'm not going to do anything. We all know we're going to die. Therefore, uh, we're not going to live. We're going to live when we live. And when we die, we're going to die. That's not a good enough reason not to perform an Avera, not to do an Avera. The only reason why you're not going to do an Avera. Well, that's the only reason that matters um, of the three that are brought by Akavya Ben Halalel is the fact that you need to remember and you will remember and you'll remind yourself in every waking moment one day I'm going to be standing I'm going to be standing in front of God and God is going to ask me uh, how did you behave in your life? That is something that if I think about it would prevent me from doing an Avera. And says the Maharal, he has a psychological observation. If somebody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm not worth anything. Why are you not worth anything? I come from a tipasrucha. I come from a putrid drop. I'm going to end up being eaten by worms and maggots. What am I worth? I'm worth absolutely nothing. What's the point of living? If a person thinks that they're worthless... I'm a totally useless, pointless person creation. He will give up. You're not going to imagine yourself to be worthwhile of anything. I'm never going to amount to anything. I come from nothing. I'm going to end up as nothing. I am nothing. Therefore, what's the point of existing? You're going to become depressed. You're going to sink into deep melancholy as a result of the fact that you think of yourself as coming from a tipa sarucha and ending up as somebody who's going to be eaten by worms and maggots. The Yavayli Dei Chait, and in that, if that's the case, if you think I'm worthless, of course you're going to do Averis. 
I mean, what's the point of not doing an Avera? I'm worthless anyway. I may as well do Averas. I mean, what's the point of anything that I do in my life? And therefore, I may as well do an Avera as much as I may do a mitzvah because I'm pointless in any event, whatever happens. The Oid. And furthermore, says the Maharal. There's an inherent contradiction here. If anyway I'm going to end up in the grave, how am I going to end up in God's throne room to give him din to give him a reckoning of my life's events? I'm going to be just a useless a decomposing body in the ground that's going to be eaten by maggots and worms. So what is this that I'm going to have an audience with the king? There's an inherent contradiction here between the second of the three things that Akavya ben Halalel mentions and the third. And there's another point. Why are the the why is this particular pronouncement of Akavya ben Halalel mentioned here at this point in the Pirkei Avot, and he was a Talmud, or in the generation after Ben Shmaya Avtalion, who was we know were the Rabbeim of Hillel Hazokin of the original Hillel. He was a contemporary of Hillel. as we see in Maseches Edios. In fact, you know why should be mentioned in Pirkei Avot? Where do we mention Shmaya and Avtalion? We mention them. In, in the first parak, in the first chapter of Pirkei Avot, I don't remember exactly which shir we gave where we mentioned them, but there were two or three shiurim where we mentioned Shmaya and Avtalion. That being the case, this is the wrong location. The beginning of the third chapter of Pirkei Avot is not the correct place where we should be mentioning um, Akavya ben Mahalalel. Let's see what the Maharal has to say to explain this anomaly and the various questions that he has already raised. The beginning of each chapter of Pirkei Avot has the most profound Musa. The last one, remember, Perik base also, we had Rebbe, Rebbe Yehuda, uh, who was um, the, uh, Rebbe Yehuda Anossi, was the author of the Mishnais. Perhaps he should have been earlier on, but he's mentioned the beginning of the second chapter. Why? Because he also has very, very powerful advice. Also, three things which he advises people that uh, that they need to think about at every point in their lives. The beginning of each chapter, Pirkei Avot, is really important. It's crucial. It contains crucial and profound information. Rabbi Kavya ben Mahalalel, Kavya ben Mahalalel, who was a contemporary of Hillel Hazokin, should have been mentioned earlier. We save him for here. We save him for an opening of a chapter because the Musa that he has to give us is so profoundly important. It's so essential that we need to have it at the beginning of a chapter as an opener to give us the grounding and the foundation for everything that we're going to learn in this, the third chapter of Pirkei Avot. Akava ben Mahalala wants to teach us that we need to remove ourselves from any possible prompt that may exist in our lives that may allow us to head in a sin direction. If we don't push away, we margin, if we don't marginalize those aspects of our lives which remove a possibility of sin, Guess what? You're going to end up sinning. It's a fact. 
That's just the way the human experience is pre-programmed. We are going to sin unless we actively and proactively make sure that we are not sinners. Why is it that a person sins? It's because he has an evil inclination. He has a side of him, a material side, a physical side that pushes him in the sin direction. Because God gave us by the way, this is the yin and the yang of the human condition, that we have the things that push us in the direction of physical material pleasure, and then we have the things which push us in the direction of spiritual attainment, of gaining a closer relationship with God. But God created both, and we have a the natural inclination is the animal inclination. It's like, I've, I've said this many times before, it's like going to a casino. The casino always wins because the way the odds are calculated, the casino always has the edge over the better. That doesn't mean you can't win as somebody who places a bet. But ultimately, the end of each night, when the calculation is made, the casino has made money. The way the human condition is calibrated, sin is always going to come out the winner unless you actively battle sin, unless you are engaged in a campaign to make sure that sin doesn't gain a foothold, doesn't gain traction in your life. Because the material existence of a human being is something that is going to uh, make sure, is going to, uh, is going to uh, result in a human being sinning. Even if you know that at the end of your life you're going to die, and you're going to stand in front of God and have to give din v'cheshven, it's not enough. That's not enough of a reason that you're not going to sin. When your physical, material desires gain a hold of you, they gain traction within your the human condition, they, they're going to... That's what the Yetzirah does. It tells you, forget what's going to happen in the future. Don't think about the future. Just think about the here and now. You're having a good time? Keep on having a good time. You don't think about the future. This is not a strategic decision. You're going to just do that which you want to do at that particular moment. But you need to do it at every stage of your life. You need to make sure that you stop the Yetzirah from gaining a foothold, from gaining strength, from gaining control over the things that you do in your life. Because that's going to direct you. That's going to push you. That's going to make you somebody who is a sinner. The Yetzirah is gaber ba'odam mikach gvayas halev. Why is it that the Yetzirah has such control over us? Because we're arrogant. That's the human condition. That's human nature. We're all, all arrogant. We all think that we're really in control. Everybody thinks that everybody else is a mashugana. I'm normal. Even if you think you're not normal, you think, yeah, as not normal as I am, the other guy is even more not normal than me. I'm fantastic. I've got it all worked out. Anybody who does it differently than me doesn't know what they're doing. You have no sense of a an objective viewpoint when it comes to yourself. Every aspect of your personality, every one of your characteristics that directs you in the direction of 
Chait of sinning, it comes about as a result of your arrogance. It's hubris that results from you taking yourself too seriously. That's because the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, pushes a person. Until it's slowly but surely, it's incremental, it's piece by piece, it's step by step. A person will head in the wrong direction because the Yetzirah knows how to get you there by, uh, by uh, just strongly pushing you, strongly allowing you to believe that you've got it right and that everyone else has got it wrong and that you're in control when really the Yetzirah is in control of you. Lokach ein goroi the only way is if um, you are on an elevated level. The fact is the Yetara has such control over the human condition. The fact is that you are so much... By the way, even good people. Good people make mistakes. Why? Because the Yetara is not going to attack them in places where they're doing good things. It's going to attack them in places where they're vulnerable, where they're weak. And we're all weak. We may not be weak, perhaps, in charity and in kindness to others. We may be weak in our performance of mitzvahs. So don't worry, the Yetzirah will attack you there. Or we may be weak in terms of how we treat other people, but we're very strong in mitzvahs. So the Yetzirah is not going to bother you about making sure you say Kriya Shema on time, because the Yetzirah knows in that thing you're very strong and you're not going to give up. But when it comes to treating other people with kindness and doing the right thing for other people, the Yetzirah is going to gain control and be strong and push you in the wrong direction to make sure that you never do a kind deed. Because the Yetzirah is looking for your vulnerability, looking for your weakness. And it will attack you at your weakest link. And then it will gain a foothold, the Yetzirah. That's the human condition. And slowly but surely you will drift away from Hashem in that, in that particular sphere. And it will affect every other sphere of your spiritual existence. We've explained many, many times, says the Maharal. Remember what the Yetzirah is. The Yetzirah is something that gains control of your physical, material being. The Torah is the spiritual power. It's the engine that enables you to elevate yourself from your physical, material being. That's by... Heading in a spiritual direction, you completely devolve yourself from your material being. The imkolze, however, don't think that the Torah is the ultimate protection. No, it's not. And that's, this is an important point. This is a Musr point. We sometimes think that if we're engaged in spiritual activities, that that's going to prevent us from failing in our material selves. Not at all. It's not enough. You should know the Yetzirah never gives up on the body, never gives up on the material being, never gives up on your brain and the way you think. It's got such a control over you. And that's why it's very good to remember that your body actually is worthless. It doesn't matter how 
you know, when you get older, older people always say, oh, if I would have known how important it was to be religious and to devote myself to religion, I would... When you're strong, you're not thinking about God. You're thinking about all the things that you can do with your strength. The younger you are, the less connected you are to God. But that's the moment when you're in your full strength, when you need to be thinking, what's my body worth? Ultimately, my body is in decay. From the moment you're born, your body is in decay. And ultimately, you're going to end up in the same place that every other person ends up, in a cemetery. I know it sounds depressing, but it can be a very powerful force for good if you realise how pointless your body is. Who cares how good-looking you are? Who cares how much you can do because of all the wealth you've accumulated? Who cares how strong you are, how powerful you are, whatever you are? Ultimately, your only value is not your physical value, your material value. Your only real value is your spiritual value. Because ultimately, you're going to return your body to, it, to the ground, to the, to the uh, uh, physical uh, decomposing situation that's going to exist after you've been buried. That's who you are. You're just organic matter. No different than any other organic matter on the planet. If as long as you realize that ultimately you're going to have no strength, you're going to be dead and decomposing, then you've you've completely neutralized that feeling of omnipotence that you may have as a strong and powerful and successful person in the height of your strength and powers in the middle of your life. Why? That's going to vanquish the Yetzirah. That's what's going to happen. And that's the Sotan and that's the Malachamovis. You will be able to deflect the Malachamovis by diminishing the strength that exists in you as a person, as a physical person, during the course of your life. And it's, it's perfectly understood. We can understand. The Yetzirah can only have control of a person who takes his existence, his physical material existence seriously. But if that's only a means to an end, what end? The end being that I must be close to Hashem? Then who cares that I'm alive? Because me being alive is only important in terms of what I can do for Hashem. But if my being alive is important in terms of what I can do for myself, oh, then we're in, danger, we're in dangerous territory. Because then the Yetzirah has traction. Then the Yetzirah has control over you. And that's why Akavya ben Mahalalel says... Take a look at these three things, and you won't come in the hands, you won't come to do Averas. If you remember that your physical existence began with a putrid drop, in terms of what it is, it's completely insignificant. It's something you wouldn't look at, you wouldn't care about. That's where you come from. That thing which you consider to be insignificant and disgusting is where you come from. Remember that when you feel at the height of your powers and very strong. Where are you going? Where you're going to end up, where we're all going to end up, is completely insignificant in terms of what you can do right now. It's not significant at all. So it's really important to remember that. Remember where you come from, where you're going, in terms of how I should behave now. 
I'm going to end up in a place which is dust, it's earth, it is worms, it is maggots. That's who I am. And that's who I am right now. Not in terms of belittling who I am. Not in terms of being a depressive. Not in terms of saying it's not worth living or who cares if I do an Avera. In terms of ultimately the only value, the only worth that I have is what I do for Hashem because I come from a Tipas Rucha and I'm going to end up in an offer, a rim of a Saleya in a place where I'm, I'm not going to be have any value whatsoever, then what I do now has no value in a physical, material sense. It only has value in a spiritual sense. It is only through that that I can dampen my self-importance and my uh, and the feeling that I may have that I am superhuman and I'm able to do anything that I want, when I want and how I want. You just think to yourself, I'm nothing. The truth is, I'm only, the only value I have is the good that I can do and that which I can achieve to help others and to serve God. That's the only value that I have. If, let's say you would only imagine, okay, I come from a Tipa but I, I wouldn't think about um, where I'm going to end up. Okay, so you think to yourself, okay, so I started off in a terrible place, but look at me now, I'm fantastic, I'm amazing. Or if you think to yourself, I'm going to end up in a terrible place, but look at me now, I'm fantastic, I'm amazing. You need to think both. It's bookends. Tipos Rucha on one side, and Ofarim of Asaleya on the other side. Now I'm in the middle of those two bookends. Now what am I going to do with my life? What is my life worth? My life is only worth something if I do mitzvahs and if I'm close to Hashem. My life is only worth something if I'm a good person that's doing good, that's achieving spiritual objectives. That is what is going to motivate me. And that's why those two things are part of the discussion of Hakavya Bemahalala. And don't ever imagine to yourself that if I think to myself, okay, I come from a bad place and therefore I'm not going to be bothered doing good. <coughs> let's remember, if I know that I come from a bad place and now I can do a mitzvah, I'm going to think to you, you know what? Look at the opportunities that are open to me. Isn't that amazing? I come from nothing. And look where I'm going to end up. And then I'm not going to be able to do a mitzvah. You know, when the, the halacha is that when you walk into a cemetery, you need to tuck your tzitzis in. It's a gemara. It's a gemara in brachas. Why do you need to tuck your tzitzis in? Because you don't want to embarrass and shame the people who are buried, the neshamas of the people who are buried in the base Olam, in the cemetery. They're going to look at you with your tzitzis. There's a charta. And they're going to remember that, uh, what, what does it say? Why do we wear tzitzis? That we should remember that we need to do the mitzvahs of Hashem. All the 613 mitzvahs are hinted at in the tzitzis that we wear. If you're buried in a cemetery and your neshama is there and it's floating about there, it's going to see the tzitzis, it's going to be reminded of all the mitzvahs that cannot be done once you're no longer alive. Now, if you are alive, what's that meant to be telling you? You're wearing tzitzis? Look at those tzitzis and reisim oisah zechatim is called mitzvah Hashem. Look at those tzitzis and remember that you can do all the mitzvahs of Hashem. Look at your life. Look at all the opportunities you have to do mitzvahs. Look at the mitzvahs and ma'asim tovim that you can do in your life. 
That's what Akavya Bimahalala wants to remind you. Wants to remind you that you come from a place where you couldn't do mitzvahs because you didn't exist. You're going to end up in a place where you can't do mitzvahs because you no longer exist. Now you're living your life? Remember, who are you going to come in front of to give a reckoning about what your life was made up of? You're going to come in front of God now. You have the opportunity to do mitzvahs. Don't waste your time on all the stupid material pleasures that are totally ephemeral, meaningless. They don't last any length of time. You eat a meal, however enjoyable that meal is, you're still going to be hungry in a few hours' time. But if you do a mitzvah, that mitzvah is eternal. If you do a mitzvah, if you do something wonderful, you keep Shabbos properly, you keep Yom Tov properly, you do tzedakah, you're kind to other people, you make sure that all the different obligations that you have in terms of your kashras, in terms of the way you engage with the world around you, in terms of your learning, of your engagement with Torah study, in, in every aspect of who you are as a person, if you engage with that spiritually, that is the eternal reward that you can have even as you are alive, even in your material existence. That opportunity only exists between the moment of conception and the moment after which you will no longer be able to do mitzvahs. We'll leave it here. Thank you.